Right. All right. Well, hey guys, we are uh, jumping into a new year, new series. Man, I'm so uh, so excited. And um, man, I was thinking about what we were doing today uh, with with uh, what we're going into for the next couple of weeks. I was thinking about what we're doing here, and I just love uh, this time of year. I, I, I love I love I love New Year's, and I love that every time at this year, people people are thinking about change. Uh, people are thinking about uh, improving their lives. People are thinking about uh, b- about ways their life needs to needs to take some steps forward. There's just a natural momentum that comes with New Year's, and I don't know uh, if you're into resolutions or anything like that. But let me just ask you, and I'm not going to ask you to do anything with your neighbor or anything like that. So I'm not going to embarrass you. How many of you, by show of hands, you've made either some New Year's resolutions or you've got some goals? you want to accomplish this year? Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand right now. A lot of people. Look at those people right there. So a lot of people, go ahead and put your hands down. A lot of people have resolutions, goals for this year. Now, of everybody that just raised your hand, so not everybody, only if you raise your hand. If you just now raised your hand, of the people that just raised their hand, how many of you know you're not going to do the resolution? Like, it's a goal, but it's not going to happen. Raise your hand right now. Go ahead. Just be honest. There. See, it's good. Confession is good for the soul, right? Like, I did it, but I'm not going to do it, right? A lot of people are there. A lot of people are there. We make resolutions. We make goals for the year. In fact, if you look year to year, people's New Year's resolutions are basically the same. Across the board, doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter who you are, people generally make the same New Year's resolutions. In fact, you can Google this. I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, the top five New Year's resolutions. And they're the same every year. What, what do you think the number one New Year's resolution is? You yell it at me if you think you know it. Lose weight. There you go. Lose weight. What do you think are also in the top five? Get, just yell them to me if you think you know. Make more money. What else? Anybody else know? Look at this top five here. Look at this top five here. Of the top five New Year's resolutions every year. Top five. Lose weight. Get organized, spend less and save more, so there's money, all right? Enjoy life to the fullest, staying fit and healthy. And so maybe, maybe that's one of your goals. Maybe, maybe the, one of the goals, resolutions that you made this, this year, it's in one of those categories. Well, what we're doing today is we are beginning a brand new three-week series called Shift. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's really not doing it justice to call it a series because we are declaring 2015 the year of the shift because we are going to come back to ideas in this series and just that idea of shift, we're going to come back to that all year long. Because if you look up the word shift in a dictionary, you'll, you'll see that the word shift, it means, that it means a change in direction. It means a change of force. It's a change of perspective. You've heard the phrase paradigm shift, right? Paradigm shift, it's a new way to think. And so this year is a new way to think. It's a new direction for our lives and for our families. We're going to need to shift this year. Listen to me, church. We're going to need to shift this year because we're in our fourth year right now. God's going to do some things through our church this year he's never done before. Some big things are coming very soon. And what that's going to require of us is a shift in how we've done things. And so this is the year of the shift. In fact, we've been having some fun with New Year's resolutions, but let me just ask this seriously. As you look at your life, maybe it's the way that you think. Maybe it's the way that you talk. Maybe it's something that you've started to believe. Maybe it's something that crept into your life 
in 2014. But let me ask everybody this. How many of you would love to see a shift in some area of your life? My hand's up. Anybody with me? Raise your hand. Look at that. A lot more hands. Great. Awesome. Go ahead and put your hands down. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Go ahead and open it up. Turn it on. And what we're going to do every single week in this series is we're going to talk about three crucial shifts that God wants us to make this year. And so every week in this series, it's a different shift, it's a different gear, it's another level, it's something that if we will apply this to our lives, I promise, listen, you might not get organized this year, and you might not get six-pack abs this year, but I'm telling you, if you will apply these three shifts that we're going to talk about to your life, you'll get to 2016 and look back at this year and you'll say, you know what, that was different. I didn't hit all the resolutions that I might have had in January 1, but I made three critical shifts in my life, and those things have made all of the difference. So here's the very first shift that we're going to unpack this morning. The very first shift that God wants us to make as individuals and families and as a church is this one. Today, we're going to discover how to make the shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. So if you've got a Bible, I hope you're at Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Now, if you don't have a Bible, it's the beginning of the year, and so, man, what a great day to get a Bible. We have Bibles in the back. Steal one on your way out. Just steal it. Okay? Actually, you don't have to steal it. We give it away every week, so you don't have to do anything shady, put it under your coat or anything. Just take one. But listen, if you don't have a Bible, man, it's the first Sunday of the year. Start the new year with a new Bible. Take one of those. It's our gift to you on your way out. But Galatians 2, 20 and 21. It's going to be on the screen here in just a second behind me. Galatians chapter 2 says this. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Listen, these are awesome verses to start out a brand new year. I mean, these are just amazing verses in general, but if you know the person who wrote these verses, all of a sudden it goes up another level. Now, maybe you're new to the Bible, new to church, and you're like, man, I don't even know what this is really. Who, who in the world wrote the, this part of the Bible? Well, the guy who wrote this book of the Bible called Galatians was a guy named Paul. And maybe you're new to church, you don't have a church background. Maybe you've heard of, though, the guy named the Apostle Paul. And see, the, the part of his name, Apostle, that's not his name. Apostle was a position. Okay, apostle means that Paul saw Jesus after the resurrection. And so Paul was a part of an inner circle that followed Jesus. Excuse me. And God used Paul to write most of the New Testament. But Paul didn't grow up in church, maybe like a lot of you. Paul didn't grow up believing in Jesus, maybe like a lot of you. Paul instead grew up religious. Listen to me. Paul grew up religious but didn't know God. 
Now, maybe that's a shift for some of you. Maybe you didn't know that you could do that. Maybe you didn't know that you could be religious and not know God, but you can be. You can be very religious and not know God, and that's where Paul was. Paul didn't know God. Paul was a part of a group called the Pharisees before he he became a Christian. And Pharisees were, were thought to be the religious people of the day. If anybody knew God, it was the Pharisees. And so Pharisees did things like this, and this is actually true. They memorized the entire Old Testament. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, like, like, I think it's cool if I have four or five Bible verses memorized, but these guys had the entire Old Testament memorized, including everyone's favorite book of the Bible, get the party started with Leviticus, right? I mean, they had the whole thing memorized. In fact, Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, first chapter of this book, Paul gives his testimony. And testimony is just basically a story of what his life was like before he met Jesus. Paul gives his testimony of what his life was like before he met Jesus. And listen to what Paul says in verse 14 of chapter 1. He says this, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. In other words, here's what Paul means. Paul's saying this, if anybody could have tried to impress God with their spiritual resume, it was him. If anybody could have made the attempt to try to get into heaven based on what you do, that was Paul. That was the road that Paul was on. But a shift happened in Paul's life when Paul met Jesus. Because when Paul met Jesus, instantly he knew, he said to himself, you know what, if I compare the quote-unquote good things that I've done to a holy and perfect and righteous God, my good stuff, it doesn't look that good anymore. All of a sudden, if I compare what I've done to who God is, I realize this, nobody can buy God off. But isn't that how a lot of people think about God? Don't a lot of people act like, talk about God as if God can be bought off? Bought off by the good things that we do. It's as if God is in heaven watching humanity, just waiting to see the good things that we do. And if we do some good, then it all works out for the good for us in the end. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was thinking about that uh, this week, and it's funny, the stuff that comes to my mind when I write sermons, uh, and this might date me a little bit, um, but... uh, Where are my Janet Jackson fans? Janet Jackson fans in the house this morning? Raise your hand, Janet Jackson fans. Some of you have no idea who Janet Jackson is, and I just need to tell you, God still loves you. You may not have been blessed enough to know who Miss Janet Jackson is, but YouTube it. Janet Jackson used to have a song uh, called, What Have You Done For Me Lately? You want me to sing it? No, you don't. You don't want me to sing that, and I'm not going to sing it because I want you to come back next week. Like, if I sing it, It's the last day of our church. You don't want me to sing Janet Jackson, period. But Janet Jackson, trust me, had a song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? YouTube it if you need to. It'll take your life to the next level. It's a shift in your life, that song. But a lot of people think about God that way. That God is in heaven and God watches you and he watches me and he's saying this, What Have You Done For Me Lately? So some of you, that's the entire reason you came to church today, to make God happy. So that you can put it down on your list. So that you can say, hey, you know what? January 1, I said I was going to start going to church. I went to church. Boom! Drop the mic. Not coming back till Easter. Right? But I went to church, man. I've been. It's awesome. Right? They passed buckets around. The band was pretty good. I dropped a tip. It was great. Right? 
And so God is watching humanity. What have you done for me lately? And here's what a lot of us think. If my good outweighs my bad, then at the end of the day, it's going to be good for me. Paul, better than all of us, more religious than all of us, knew the Bible better than all of us, meets Jesus and realizes, you know what? Nobody goes to heaven based on what they do. Say that again. That was a big deal. Nobody goes to heaven based on what they do. Paul sees Jesus, and when Paul gets saved, when he becomes a Christian, when he meets Jesus for the very first time, Paul has a shift inside of him that says, you know what? It's not about what I do for God. It's about what God has done for me through Jesus. And see, Christians hear that, and a lot of it, maybe it's written all over your face right now. Christians hear that, and they say, well, you know what? I know that. I know that my work, I know that good works can't save you. I know that the only thing that can save me, Mark, is Jesus. I've heard all of this before. But here's what happens for a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians, a lot of people that come to church every single week, I mean, the grace of God that we sing about, it's really changed their life. But a lot of Christians who have been saved by the grace of God, Jesus saves them at the beginning, but after that, they begin to act like and see, and secretly, deep down, they believe that the rest of their relationship with God depends on them. That's why so many Christians walk around and they have no confidence at all that God loves them. Instead, most Christians walk around, from my experience in talking to a lot of Christians, they walk around feeling condemned by God, distant from God, unaware of God's presence in their life. That's why so many Christians came to church today, and you know I'm talking about you right now. No peace in your life. No joy in your life. Is anybody tracking with this? No joy. No peace, reading your Bible, going to church, doing things for God to make God happy. I'm saved, but i got to keep God happy, so I'm doing spiritual stuff. Listen to me. It is a dangerous idea to think that you can get the grace of God based off of what you do, but it is just as dangerous to think that you can keep the grace of God based on what you do. So here's what I want us to do today. First Sunday of the year, 2015, we're going to learn how to make this shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. We're done basing our confidence, our hope, our joy. We're done thinking about God in terms of God. This is what I'm doing for you. God's in heaven. What have you done for me lately? We are done thinking that way. God, we're going to shift to what you have done for us. God, this is the year when our peace is going in what you've done for us, when our confidence is going to go in what you've done for us. We're going to make that shift this year. And to help us do that on this very first Sunday of 2015, I've given us two confessions today. I want to give us two confessions. And I've written it in such a way that you can write these down, you can take them with you, and you can declare these things over your life every single day. And listen, that's what you need to do. Hey, you know what? If, the ch- if, if what we do in church is only going to last till Sunday at 1.30, if it's not going to make it to work tomorrow morning or school tomorrow morning, then this was a waste of time. Amen? Man, I'm looking to do something in this room right now that's going to stick with you Wednesday at 3.30 when you need it the most. I'm looking to do something in this room right now. I'm praying that God does something in this room right now that lasts and carries all year long. And so I want to give you two confessions that you can wake up and say to yourself every single day because they're true, that you can say to yourself at school, you can say to yourself at work, you can put them on post-it notes in your car. Two confessions that will help you shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. Here's the first one. Look on the screen. 
first confession that I want to give us this year is this. I'm not going to do anything this year to get God to love me more than he does right now. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. I'm not going to do anything this year to get God to love me more than he does right now. One amen. <laughs> let's try it again. Let's, let's all do amen. I'm not going to do anything this year to get God to love me more than he does right now. Amen. See, that was a fake amen. You had your chance. I said it twice. That was fake. All right? Except for one amen right over here. I believe that amen. So I'm going to say I got some work to do because we don't believe that, do we? Because we settled so long in the God, this is what I'm doing for you. It's hard to shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. I've got three kids. I have three kids. Um, and listen, if today's your first day, it's New Year, and, we, and, and this happens all the time, it's awesome. People come and try out Summit uh, at the beginning of the year because church was on your New Year's list. And so maybe you're kind of kicking the tires on this, you're checking it out. If, you, if you're new to Summit, you need to know that I talk about my kids a lot. And I feel like I need to say this this morning. I talk about my kids all the time because my kids are really little and they're not in here, so they don't know what I say about them and it doesn't embarrass them, right? But I hear from parents of older kids that one day I can't talk about them like that. So the way I view it is my kids are little. This is like them paying rent. You know what I'm saying? Like they eat my food and they live in my house, so I'm going to use them for sermon material as long as I can. You know what I'm saying? So I got three kids. I, I have three kids. And here's the deal. My kids... My kids are not going to do anything this year to make them more mine. They already are. They're not going to clean their rooms so much, so much that I can say, you know what, I was about to give you away at the beginning of the year. I'm going to keep you now. It's awesome. My kids are not going to take out the trash enough, clean their plate enough, vacuum the floor enough. My kids have never done any of those three. Um, That just occurred to me. But here's the point. My kids are not going to do anything this year to make them more mine. They already are. And nothing can change that status. See, God can't love you. Listen to me, Christian. If you're in Christ today, God can't love you any more than he does right now in this moment because God loves you in this moment perfectly. He can't love you any more than he already does because God loves you perfectly. You say, Mark, I don't feel that. I don't believe that. It's early in 2015. I can really blow it this year, so I don't know if I'm tracking with you. Verse 20. Let's look at it again. Verse 20 in Galatians 2. Watch what he says here. Hey, would you watch what he says here and pray that God would help you to believe it's true about you too? Because this is true not about the person next to you. It's true for them, but it's true for you too. Watch this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives where? You read it out loud. Christ who lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. See, 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross in Jerusalem, he died physically and we were there with him. And we were crucified spiritually. Let me say that again. When Jesus died on a cross physically 2,000 years ago, we were there with him. Humanity was there, and we died with him spiritually. And on the cross, Jesus said seven things. And the last thing that he said was the biggest. The last thing that he said was the biggest statement that's probably ever been made in humanity. 
Do you know what he said? The last thing Jesus said before he died. It is finished. Jesus goes to the cross, dies on the cross, and he screams out. There's a crowd of people around him. And the last thing the Bible tells us that Jesus said before he hung his head and he died is Jesus lifts himself up on those nails with his feet, nails in his wrists, in his feet, lifts himself up so that he can catch enough breath to scream out, it is finished. And if you and I would have been there on that day at that, at that cross on Calvary's Hill, if we would have been there, we wouldn't have heard Jesus scream, it is finished. We would have instead heard Jesus scream a Greek word. And the Greek word is the word tetelestai. Jesus lifts himself up on this cross and he screams out, tetelestai. Can we all say that right now so that we all sound smarter than we are? Let's quote a Greek word today, tetelestai. Let's all say it together on three, one, two, three, tetelestai. Use it at lunch. People will think you're smart, but we know the truth. Tetelestai. Unfamiliar to us, very familiar to the crowd at Jesus' day. Because here's what happens. In Jesus' day, every single time a transaction was made, anytime anybody bought anything, this literally would happen. They would, take the, they would take a receipt, they would get a receipt, just like you and I do, and on the receipt for any purchase that was made in Jesus' day, the person who sold the item would take the receipt and write on that receipt, Tetelestai. In other words, this has been paid in full. This is completely yours. The price has been paid. You don't need to come to me three weeks to now, three weeks from now to see if the price was really paid. It's paid. You don't need to come back to me once a year to see if, to see if it's, the price is still good, the money is still good. No, tetelestai, the price has been paid because Jesus said it is finished. Well, what was finished? What was finished was Jesus buying on the cross everything necessary so that you and I could be completely forgiven and accepted by God. So Jesus has has totally purchased forgiveness and acceptance by God for you. And so if you're in Christ today but you don't feel forgiven and you're going to work really hard this year to feel forgiven and you're going to read your Bible an hour a day so that you can get some spiritual feeling because that spiritual feeling must be that God loves you and you don't feel forgiven and you want to feel forgiven, over your forgiveness is the word. It is finished. You can't add to forgiveness. You can't take away from forgiveness because it was purchased for you 2,000 years ago on a cross and over your forgiveness is the word tetelestai. It's finished. I, I don't feel like God is for me. In fact, I, Mark, I feel really far from God this morning. Man, Mark, I really walked away from God last year. Mark, what kind of hoops do I need to jump through to get back on track with God? No, 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 you don't have to jump through any hoops this morning. All you need to do is go to him. Why? Because it is finished. Did you know that? It is finished this morning. Would you look at your neighbor and say, it's finished? It is finished. So I'm not going to do anything in 2015 to add to what's already finished. When something is finished, you can't add to it. Why? It's finished. I'm not adding to the salvation that Jesus bought for me. You can't add to the forgiveness that Jesus has given you if he's given you forgiveness. Why? Because it is finished this year. The banner over 2015 is the word tetelestai. It's finished. At the beginning of the year, it's already over. Why? Because it is finished, has been declared over your life. And listen to me, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that's the best news you could get. The best news you can get is that Jesus screamed out for you, it 
is finished. Because here's what you need to know about Christianity. Christianity is not living a moral life. It's not. Christianity doesn't mean that you don't cuss, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't date girls that do. That's not what, be, what it means to be a Christian. Christianity is not living a moral life. Listen to me. Christianity is giving your life to Jesus. You say, Mark, I've got a lot of skeletons in my closet. Mark, I've made a lot of bad decisions. Mark, I've got a lot of junk from 2014. It's still fresh in my life. And over all of it are the words, it is finished. And so today, if you are here and you are outside of Jesus Christ and you want a relationship with him, all you need to do is come and receive forgiveness. Why? Because over your life and over the forgiveness purchased for you are the words, it is finished. It's available right now. So I'm not going to do anything this year to get God to love me more than he already does. And not only that, but here's the second confession. Look at this one. The second confession, last thing for this morning, is this one. That you and I, we can work from, we can live from God's approval of us instead of trying to work for it. We can live from God's approval of us instead of trying to work for it. Let me ask you a question. How many people want more joy in your life this year? Raise your hand. More joy in your life. Anybody? Look at that. A lot of hands. Put your hands down. How about you want to worry less this year than you did last year? Raise your hand. It's a lot. It's a lot. One more peace in your life? Raise your hand. Man, everybody's talking about those things. You can do a lot of stuff right now to get more. I, I, there's all kinds of articles and television shows. People are telling you how to get more joy in 2015. You want more joy in 2015? I heard somebody say this, this past week on television. Smile more. You feel that? Feel that? Feel that? It's just gas for a lot of you. The rest of it is joy. Right? Smile more. Hey, I've got something better. Watch this. Look at, look at the rest of the verse. Verse 20. Go back to it. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Watch this. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the life I live in the flesh, what is that? That's 2015. That's the life that you're living right now. The life I live in the flesh. How am I going to live that life? He tells us, Paul tells us, he says, I'm going to live that life by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to live my life by faith. And listen, church, I am telling you that the deeper we go into that truth that it is finished, tetelestai, and through Christ, God absolutely is for us. We don't need to work to get God to like us through Jesus. He already does. Right now, we've got God's approval because Jesus has bought it for us. The deeper that goes in your life, you're going to find a joy and a peace and a confidence that nothing that comes into your life in 2015 can take away from you. Nothing can take that away. The joy and the peace and the confidence that comes from knowing that we've got God's approval. We don't have to work for it. So we're going to begin to live from God's approval, not try to earn it. So we're free to serve. We're free to give. We're free to come to church. We're free to worship and to lift our hands. Why? Because we're not working to get on God's good side. No, it is finished. It's been bought for us. We've got God's approval. So this year, I want to tell you that the pressure is off. The pressure is off in 2015. Say, say, I can't compete with everybody at my school. I'm not as athletic as them. I'm not as pretty as them. I'm not as smart as them. I can't compete with everybody else at my school. Here's the good news. You don't have to. 
You don't have to compete with them. Why? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? So this year, the pressure is off because we're, not, we're done living for what we do for God. We're going to begin to live from the confidence of what God has done for us. And church, listen to me. I'm just telling you, this year, we're going to do a lot. This year, we're going to see God take us in different directions, places that we've never been before. But everything that we do this year, we're not doing it so that we can puff our chests out and think that we're better than other people. We're not doing it to get God's approval. We're doing it from the position of God's approval. God is for us. And because he set us free and because he's forgiven us, we are free through his power to impact the world. And if you're here today, And you're looking back at 2014, you say, man, I got so off track with God, what do I do? You just come back. You just come back and you say, Jesus, forgive me, I feel like I've went so off track. And listen, because the word over your life is the word tetelestai, it is finished. All you need to do is confess that to God and God instantly forgives you. You want to get back on track with God in 2015, you can do it today. You want to begin a relationship with Jesus in 2015? You can do it today. You don't need to go to church for the next three months. You don't need to clean up your language. You don't need to clean up that addiction. Why? You need to come and Jesus will begin to work in your life and all of those other things will begin to follow and to fall into place. But here's the first thing you need to do. If you are in that seat today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is the day you need to make the most important decision of your life. And you need to say, Jesus, here's my life. Take it. I'm giving my life to you right now. Because we're going to shift from what we do for God to what God has done for us. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, right now, we just thank you that that 2,000 years ago on a cross, you really did scream out, for humanity. It is finished. And we don't have to work to add to that, Jesus. We can't improve that. We, we can't take away from that. There, there's nothing we do in your name this year that can make that better than it is. There's nothing that we do for you this year that can make it truer for our lives than it already is right now. It is true for us. It is a blood-bought reality that it is finished. Forgiveness is available. Second chance is available. When we blow it and we fail, we're free to come back. There's forgiveness. Father, we have access to you and you love us. And it is all because Jesus purchased it for us. Father, I pray for people right here today. Maybe this year they're looking back on last year with regret. And they're thinking, man, I hope 2015 is different. 2014, I got so off track with God. Father, I pray that by your Spirit right now, you would let them know that they are loved by you and that they might have moved, but you have not. I pray for people who are in this room right now and they need the courage to make the decision to give you their life today. Today they need to make that decision Jesus, I pray that you would give people courage to take that step and to give their life to you today. I pray for our church. 
Pray for every leader. Pray for everyone that serves. Pray for every partner, member of our church. I pray for people that come here every single week. That starting today, we would have a deeper confidence in who you are this year than we've ever had. That we would have a greater peace in our lives because of you. Greater joy in our lives because of you than we've ever had. God, there's so much that's going to come to us this year. And Father, at the beginning right now, we just want to shift and say, it's not what we do for you, God. It's what you've done for us. And we want to rest in that. And we want to celebrate that. And we want to rejoice in that. And we want to build our lives on that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder what God's spoken to you today. I wonder how God has spoken to you and how God's moved in your life today. If you're here today, if you're here today and you're saying, to, you're saying to God today in your seat right there where you're at, you're saying, God, I want to make that shift. I want this year to be the year where I have a deeper peace, joy, and confidence in what Jesus has done for me than I've ever had it before. Raise your hand right now. Say, God, I want that. I want that peace. I want that confidence. I want to shift from what I do for you and what you have done for me. Raise your hand. Hands are going up right here. Other hands. Right back there, all the way through the back. Some of you are here, you can put your hands down. Some of you are here, and maybe today God is saying it's time to come back. Today it's time to come back. It's time to rededicate your life. See, I gave my life to Jesus once, but I'm not where I used to be. Come home today. Come back today. God loves you perfectly right now. And if there's anyone in this room who say, you know what, today I need to come back to God. I want to come back to God today. I want to rededicate my life right now. Would you raise your hand right now today so I can pray for you? Just put your hand up in the air so that I can pray for you. Say, you know what, I'm coming back to God today. I see a hand over there. Or maybe you're here and you need to make that decision and give your life to Jesus. Man, what a better way to kick off a new year than by making the decision that today you're giving your life to Jesus. So if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Right there where you sit, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. And so I want to lead us in a prayer right now. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, just ask Him to save you right there where you're at, right there in your seat. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I give my life to you today. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that it is finished for me. You are my Lord. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Amen. No one is looking around. No heads are up. No eyes are moving. Did you just pray that prayer? Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, this is your moment. This is your time. And I want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you. If today you are giving your life to Jesus Christ, would you put your hand up in the air right now so I can pray for you? Just raise it right now. Raise it right now if today you're making that decision. And if you're making that decision, I want you to look at me. Just look at me today. Listen, God doesn't want you to keep that to yourself. So as you leave today, in just a few moments, when I dismiss, as you leave today, right there in the back of the room, there's Bibles, and we've got a, a green book for you called Seek First. Would you take that connection card that we gave you when you walked in, and would you check the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Listen to me. If today you're making that decision, 
Don't leave until you tell somebody. Don't leave until you tell somebody. How can I tell somebody? Check that box and give it to somebody as you're leaving today. Jesus, thank you that this is the year of the shift. This is the year where we're going to walk with you in ways we've never walked with you. We're going to experience you in ways we've never experienced you. We're going to step out by faith in ways that we've never stepped out by faith. God, we're going to see you move and we're going to see you do things. And Father, at the beginning of this year, we just want to give you all glory for it right now. God, it is not about what we do for you. It is about everything that you have done for us. Father, you are great and you are good and we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Summit, let's thank God by faith for what he's going to do this year and for what he's already done through Christ. Remember, it's finished. Man, I want you to keep that word with you this week. It is finished uh, this week. Man, I keep that with you. Hey, before you leave, I want you to sit still. I know, I know this is the time every week when everybody starts packing up their luggage and getting ready to run, you know, and you're shoving people out of the way, getting in the parking lot. Hang on just a second, okay? We got, we got to do something. And this is, this, is, this is a little, this is sad, to be honest, what we're about to do. Uh, but I would like for Angie, Angie, if you come up here. This is John's wife, John and Angela Holbrook. And she is coming up here to uh, sing while John plays guitar. Ha! No! no. Somebody said no. I said that's sad. Hey, come on over here. Come on over here. Stand next to John. Hey, can, the, can you guys, man, you just, I know you're hooked up, a lot of you. Can the band come over here and gather around them for a second? Hey, Summit, um, this happens in church life, and uh, we celebrate, and we're sad at the same time. This is John and Angela's last Sunday at Summit. They are, uh, John uh, is going to Hazard First Baptist to become their worship leader. And so we are uh, praying for him. We're excited about that opportunity, but we're going to miss them, aren't we? We're going to miss them. Let's give it up for them, man. Thank God for their service. And, and so I, I just wanted to close out today by uh, us laying our hands on them, praying for them. And God's going to use you guys, man. God is going before you. He's, he's making a way. And God's going to use you in great ways. And so would you guys just lay your hands on them, the band. Everybody just gather around them. And uh, let's all do this. Let's all stand because we're about to dismiss here in just a second. And after we dismiss, if you, yeah, if you guys want to come up here, we got people crawling up the stage. If you want to come up here and lay hands on them, pray with them, be with them right here, you can. Come on up. But um, we're about to dismiss in just a few seconds after we pray for John and Angie. Uh, but hey, hey, listen, um, would, you do something, would you do something today? There's a lot of people here. Maybe you can't do it today, but would you do something uh, this week? And would you let them know how, how much you love them? you like let them know today or send them something on Facebook, a message, just something and just let them know how much you love them and that as they make that move and transition that we are going with them and that we are lifting them up every single week. Would you do that for me? And um, if you are, if anybody's comfortable enough, you know, there's several times in the Bible when people were prayed for uh, in front of a crowd, a congregation, and people symbolically lifted their hands toward the direction of those people. And so if you're comfortable, you don't have to do that. Uh, but if you're comfortable to do that, just as a sign of faith, to let you know, just to say I'm praying for them, you can raise your hands in their direction, just to say we're praying for them as they leave. But I want to pray for John and Angie today. Let's pray for them. Dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for friends. We thank you so much for people that you bring into our lives, uh, God, and that we're different because of them. And so, Father, we celebrate how you're going to use John and Angie in that position at Hazard First Baptist. 
We celebrate the fact that you go before your people and you prepare a way and you make a way and you fight for us. And so, God, I pray that you would use them in powerful ways. God, I pray that you would use them in ways that they never dreamed possible. And, Father, God, we celebrate that and we're sad at the same time as they take this step. And so, God, I just, I just thank you for friendship. I thank you that friendship in Jesus lasts for all of eternity. And so, Father, I pray that we as a church would continue to speak into their lives uh, on Facebook and, and, and in person, through email, through text. God, we would just continue to invest in them and speak life into them and encouragement into their lives. God, I pray for their kids God, as they make this transition, that it would be made well. And God, that you would use their kids there. God, I pray that, Jesus, they would see a lot of fruit in their lives as they take this step. Jesus, we love you. We love this family. We love John. We love Angie so much, God. We thank you for them. And Father, we ask all of this in confidence, God, that you are with them and that you are for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, come on. We love you guys. We love you guys. We love you guys. Hey, so listen, they're gonna, the band's going to play us out. If you want to stick around and, uh, and come up here and hug on them and love on them and just blow snot together because that's what's happening on stage right now, you can do that. That's perfectly acceptable. Uh, but listen, guys, uh, I'm going to dismiss you. If you're a first, second time guest, make sure to hit the welcome table. And listen, next week, it's going to be a big deal. Next week, we begin sign-ups for our next semester of life groups. We've got some big things coming on plate next week. So you come back. You bring somebody. Let's watch what God does. Guys, I'm excited about this year. Love you. You're dismissed. See you next week.